Well, good morning. I'm excited to be with you. I know you guys just got to see your lead pastor, Chip, do the welcome, and I appreciate that from him. Uh, I'm excited to dive in. I'm excited to get an opportunity to talk to you guys here online this week. I'm excited because God's been showing me all kinds of incredible things over the last uh, month, last six months, last eight months, really, and it's been a lot of fun. And uh, if you were here online last week, you got to talk to or hear from Pastor Eddie. And Pastor Eddie had two questions that he really kind of unpacked for you guys. And I love it as he walked through that story uh, with you because it's been some of the questions that have been on my heart. And, and what I've seen lately is that sometimes when we ask questions, we get a little bit more of a clear answer than we would if we otherwise did not. And so uh, I love questions. Right now, it's a season of questions. And uh, if you were in Lake City last week, you heard me ask a question. We started our conversation with this, the question, does Jesus lose? And uh, I loved it because there was a resounding, no, Jesus doesn't lose in our services. And then we kind of followed that up with, yeah, that's what our lips say, but what do our actions say a lot of times? Where do we, where do we put our faith? Is it in us or is it in Jesus a lot of the time? And so we're going to keep that theme of questions rolling today. And here comes the next question. Can you win alone? Can you win alone? By yourself, can you win? And I know if you're watching right now and you're a golfer, you're like, absolutely, I take everybody's lunch money Sunday afternoon because I win alone. I love that. Maybe you're a tennis player and you're like, tennis is that mano y mano sport and it's just me out there against them and I love it because I win alone. Or maybe you're uh, a fighter, you do MMA, or you're a wrestler, or whatever, it's just you. There's nobody else, right? You don't have a team per se. It's just you competing and your answer is yes, I win alone. And in a couple of venues, that's true, but in a lot of other sports, no, it's not true. In a lot of other venues, no, it's not true. It's not one guy or one girl who everything rises and falls with. And I think that's the same for us as Christians. That's the same for who we are. The answer is, for us, I believe, no, you can't consistently win in the kingdom if you are alone. The kingdom of God is not this thing that was designed for you to take part of in isolation, right? It's not this thing that you were designed as a human being by God to do on your own. Your walk, your faith, your relationship is actually designed to be done in community. And so when we ask the question, do you win alone? More often than not, the answer is no, because God has uniquely knit everything together in a way that community functions for the kingdom. And so you are designed to be in community. You are designed to be in relationship with other people. And God has designed it that way because really and truly, I think what we're going to see is he gets glory that way. And, and people worship him more fully when they're in community. And so that's the question. Can you win alone? My answer is not consistently. You cannot consistently win alone in the kingdom. You need other people. And we're going to start out right here. We're just going to kind of jump right into uh, a Bible verse. And I know usually there's some front porch, but today we're just going to dump jump right into uh, the Bible. And we're going to look at a book called Proverbs. And I love Proverbs because Proverbs is this book. It's not full of absolutes. It's full of principles. And principles more often than not are going to be true, right? A principle is this idea that like, here's the principle. There might be an exception to the principle, but more often or not, this is true. And so when we look at Proverbs, you get to Proverbs chapter 18 and the chapter opens this way. The writer says this, one who isolates himself pursues selfish desires. He rebels against all sound wisdom. 
right? And so the author says, okay, here's the deal. If you isolate, here's what you're probably going to do. Here's the principle. When you're in isolation, here's the principle. You're probably going to pursue selfish desires. You're probably going to be self-centered. You're probably going to have ideas of what you want, not what others want. You're probably just going to have some selfish things that you navigate. And what's the byproduct of that? You're going to rebel against all sound wisdom. That's the principle. You're going to be a relatively selfish person and you're going to rebel against sound wisdom. Why? Because you're not going to have any of it and you've been spending so many, so much time, uh, so many thoughts by yourself that by the time it finally uh, gets to a moment where you're ready to hear somebody else, you say, well, I've actually been doing this on my own and I'm a little bit smarter than you and so I don't really need that opinion. Thank you. Right? And so then you start to rebel against wisdom. And a selfish life is a lonely life. It's not full of joy. It's not full of love. It's not full of peace. It's not full of kindness. It's not full of any of the fruit that God tells us we should have as believers that he lets us take part in when we walk by the Spirit. Paul talks about that in Galatians. He says, if you walk by the Spirit, here's what that's going to look like. You're going to have the fruit of the Spirit. You're going to experience kindness. You're going to be able to give out kindness. You're going to experience joy. You're going to be able to give out joy. You're going to experience love. You're going to be able to give out love. You're going to experience kindness, and you're going to be able to give out kindness right? That's incredible. And so Paul's saying, here's what it looks like when you walk by the Spirit. And God tells us you should have all of this stuff, but if you stay in isolation, you're going to have the opposite more often than not, because you have no one to be joyful with. And when you have no one to be joyful with, you have no one that you can share joyful truths with. And so now I'm not sharing truth with you because I'm in isolation and then you can't rejoice over the season and this work that God has done because I've withheld information that God has taught me and now we're not operating in community and so you're isolated and I'm isolated and nobody's happy. We actually end up being the opposite of happy. We actually end up being pretty miserable and the same is true with love. You have no one to love on and you have no one to love on you when you live in isolation. You have no one in your corner praying through the tumultuous seasons of life And then you're not praying in somebody else's corner with them because you're in isolation. You have no one pouring out their kindness to you and you have no one to pour your kindness out to because you don't feel loved and you feel exhausted and you feel miserable, right? And this is what happens. We get into this this rut and this cycle and we're like, man, I don't know why I'm so miserable as a Christian. I feel like I shouldn't be this miserable. This isn't what the people I read about in the Bible look like, sing like, act like when they encounter Jesus. So why do I act like, sing like, look like this on a regular basis. And I think a lot of our problem is we haven't dove into community the way that Jesus wants us to dive into community. When we open his word and we see what that looks like, a lot of us, if we're honest, we're not living that. And so what we're doing is we're leaving pieces of what God wants us to experience on the table. And we're picking up things he doesn't want us to experience, right? We're picking up that selfishness. We're, pi- we're, pi- we're picking up a rebellion against wisdom. And the wisdom is there to keep us safe, right? That accountability, that love, that grace from other people. And that selflessness is the way that we extend love to not just other believers, but other people in the community that need to experience the love of Jesus, right? Who have never encountered that before. And so when we look at this and we start to unpack this, what we see when we ask that question, can you win alone, is, is the answer is no, you can't win alone. And then when you decide to operate alone, it means other people aren't winning either. It means other believers, other brothers, other sisters aren't getting to experience that win in the kingdom. They're not getting to experience freedom. They're not getting to experience joy and all this fruit of the spirit that they should be because you're withholding these giftings that God has given you from the rest of the kingdom. And what a scary place to be, right? It's no wonder our churches aren't functioning at max capacity. It's no wonder uh, we're not moving and God's not, we're not seeing God do incredible things when we try to do all this on our own and we try to pick up this mantle and we say, hey, 
this relationship I have with Jesus, it's personal, right? Right, it's personal, so I don't need it. It's personal, yes, but it's not private. It's personal between you and Jesus, yes, but it's designed to be exercised in community with other believers, and I love that. And so all this is happening, and you're experiencing all of it, right? Maybe you're in a season of community, and you're experiencing the joy that comes with that. Maybe you're in a season where you've lacked community, and you're experiencing the worst part of that, where you're miserable, and you're exhausted, and you feel like you keep getting stuck, and you feel like sin keeps kicking your butt, and you're just getting your your tail handed to you by the enemy, right? And you're like, man, I don't know why this is the case. I don't know why I'm so miserable. I don't know why I'm so exhausted. And this is tricky because it's a sliding scale, right? There's this, there's this sliding scale here that happens in isolation. And it could be everything from big things, right? You're, you're in isolation, you have no accountability, and so you have something huge like a pornography addiction that's been undealt with and it's been untalked about. That's, that's one end of the scale. And the other end of the scale could be something way smaller, like, man, you're a mom and you're just exhausted and you're miserable and you find yourself being uh, grumpy at your kids all the time. Or you're a husband and you're like, I don't know why I can't find it in me to love my wife the right way. And I don't know, I don't have anybody else speaking into what that should look like. And so the scale of sliding, it could be everything from big, serious sin to, man, my, my emotions just aren't there and I feel disconnected and detached from my family, right? The scale is huge, but I think all of them, if we're honest, are byproducts of just not speaking uh, or not living in community and not being able to speak truth to one another as we operate in community. And if we're honest, here's what's happened, right? If we're honest, our schedule plays a role in this. And if we're honest, what we end up doing is we end up realizing, man, I've spent more time building community outside of the body than I have spending community inside with the body. And and don't hear me say it's bad to have friends uh, that aren't Christians. It's not, it's a good thing. They need salt, they need light, they need love in their life. That is a good thing. But when we look up and it's been two, three, six, 10 years, whatever, and we say, wow, I haven't spent time in community with believers. It's no wonder I feel miserable. It's no wonder I'm exhausted. It's no wonder I don't feel joy because the only other people speaking into my life haven't experienced this the way that the Spirit can let them experience it. And so if we're honest, it becomes a time thing and we start to prioritize and we start to uh, sacrifice and we start to compromise and, and really and truly, you're not gonna get to experience the Spirit in its fullness. Why? Because the Spirit God gives you is a spirit of unity. You're made and you're hardwired as humans to be in community with other people. And when we neglect that, when we don't step into that, what we have is we have the spirit not functioning the way that it should be with other believers. And so we're just kind of keeping this thing to ourselves, and it's not getting spoken into. It's not getting breathed life into it. It's not getting uh, reproved. It's not being held accountable, all this stuff, right? We're not able to experience that in the fullness that God wants us to experience it because we're keeping it to ourselves. And I love this. Paul writes this uh, in Galatians. He says in chapter one, verse two, right out the gate as he writes this book, he says, brothers and sisters, if someone is overtaken in any wrongdoing, you who are spiritual should restore such a person with a gentle spirit, watching out for yourselves so that you won't be tempted. Carry one another's burdens in this way. You will fulfill the law of Christ. So Paul says, here's what it looks like. Check this out. Look, look, look. Community, that is what the church should look like. Why? Because you can't restore if you're not in community and you cannot be restored if you're not in community. He says, brothers and sisters, so he's writing to Christians, if someone's overtaken, you're here spiritual, you should restore them. And we can't be restored and we can't give restoration if we're not in community. 
And then he finishes and he says, you, you need to carry one another's burdens and you can't have your burdens carried and you can't carry someone else's burdens if you're not in community, if you're just in isolation. Doesn't that sound way more enjoyable than being exhausted, than being stuck in a rut, than navigating the monotonous things that life has to offer without ever experiencing the fruit that God says his spirit gives you? Right? Wouldn't that be so much more enjoyable if we could just say, man, hey, listen, I got this season I'm going through and I'm struggling and I just need you to tell me what you think about it and then you're able to speak life into that person. You're able to share God's truth with that person because we're living a community and then they're able to experience restoration. They're able to experience life because you were able to speak that into that moment because you have the spirit and your spirit that God gave you had a word that he wanted you to give them, but we withhold that so often because we don't do this. We don't operate in community, right? We don't operate this way. And when we get to this point, when you get to this point, here's what I think you're going to find. It is so liberating to be in community and to know, oh my gosh, everybody else is navigating these same tensions and these same struggles. And they're navigating them and we can come at them together and we can pray for one another and we can problem solve together and we can use the wisdom that Jesus gave us to dive into these situations and to see freedom and to see victory and to answer the question, can you win alone? No, but I can win with a brother or I can win with a sister. It's so liberating. Yes, this is 100% for you. And I want you to hear this. I want you to hear that God wants all of those things for you. I 100% believe that. He wants you to experience restoration. He wants you to experience liberation. He wants you to experience all of that, but he also wants your brothers and your sisters to experience that. And so when we look at the Christian life, we say, wow, it's not all about me, but God has done this for me, and so now I can play a role in what that looks like for other people, because I love this. This is what we do at the end of verse 2, that will fulfill the law of Christ. This is what God wants for us, and what God wants for us is better for us. And so then, okay, what, what do you do? What do I do next? What, what about the when? What about the what? What does this look like when I flesh this whole thing out? What does it look like to operate in community in a healthy way? I hear you. I hear that, AJ, I should be doing this. I should be involved. That's good. What does it look like? How do I dive into that? If it's better for me, how do I dive into And I love it because the same guy that just wrote in Galatians is the same guy that also wrote a book to the church at Thessalonica. And so if you have your Bible, we'll be in 1 Thessalonians real quick, chapter 5, verses 14 through 19. And here's what Paul says. He says, And we exhort you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle, comfort the discouraged, help the weak, be patient with everyone. See to it that no one repays evil for evil to anyone but always pursue what is good for one another and for all. Rejoice always, pray constantly, give thanks in everything, wait for it, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. You wanna know what God's will is for you, go read 14 through 19 again, right? I love this, he says, and we exhort you, he's talking brothers and sisters, here's what you should do, you should warn those who are idle, and the word there is unruly. And so when we talk about unruly, I love this, this is a word that's really used often in military language, and it's this idea that when a soldier steps out of ranks or out of line, the commanding officer says, hey, wait, 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 step back in line. You're getting a little too far out there. And that's better for the soldier because the Romans fought together. They fought in a group. And when you got isolated from the group, you were far more likely to get picked off. And so the Roman soldiers would say, hey, hey, don't get isolated. Come back in here. Don't be unruly. It's better for you in here. And so what does it look like? It looks like being able to come alongside a brother or sister and say, hey, 
don't be unruly, don't go live in isolation, come back here, we're better together. And then he keeps going, he says, when you warn those who are unruly, you can comfort the discouraged. And the word here is faint-hearted, and this literally translates small-souled. By nature experience, they tend to be timid and lack courage. They need comfort in the sense of assisting strength to be brought to them. And so there's other believers in the body, probably all around you, who have, who have this timid spirit. They lack courage. And Paul's saying, those people who are like that, you need to come around them and you need to encourage them. You need to comfort the discouraged. That's your job, brother and sister, to go comfort the discouraged. But you don't ever do that if you don't ever know who that is and you don't ever step into that moment. Right? You gotta know who those people are. You gotta step into that moment and you have to come alongside them in the day in, day out journey. And then he kind of finishes this little section with, we can encourage the weak, we can help the weak. The word there is encourage. The weak have got to be upheld and assisted with an eye to building their own strength instead of perpetuating their weakness. We have got to be able to lean in and say, brother and sister, let me tell you what Jesus has gifted to you. Let me tell you where your strength comes from because what happens in these isolated seasons is before we know it we start trying to operate in our own strength and we're miserable and we're getting beaten over and over and over again and we're losing because we don't have the strength and we're not fighting from the strength that Jesus wants us to fight from and so the last charge from Paul is hey go help the weak be their strength help encourage them in what their true strength is and it'll help them navigate their weakness it'll help them see wins because can you win alone no can you win in community Yes, in community, we're gonna keep reminding ourselves of where our strength comes from. And then he keeps going and says, evil will not be met with evil. I love that. And you will constantly have your good looked out for. That's God's desire for you. God's desire for you is that you are constantly rejoicing, that I give thanks in everything, Paul says. This is God's will for you. God's will for you, God's desire for you is that you are constantly rejoicing rejoicing. That's how much joy you have that no matter what your circumstance looks like, you remember who your strength is and you're constantly rejoicing. And God's will right here from Paul only happens when we function in community. You're only going to get to experience it fully at max capacity when you operate in community. That's God's desire for you is that you constantly have a posture of thanksgiving, that you're constantly prayed over. Did you see that uh, right there in verse 17? It's one verse. It's two words, pray constantly, that you are constantly prayed over. That is God's desire for you. And that is what God desires for your brothers and sisters. And so if you live in community, you will constantly be praying for others and others will be constantly be praying for you. How incredible is that? That is so liberating to know that you constantly have people in your corner and you don't have to do this alone. But God's will for you, his desire for you is not gonna come to fruition. You're not gonna get to experience that fully until you say yes and you step into the community that helps you walk through this, that helps you walk through God's desire, that helps you see other people experience a spirit and a posture of thanksgiving, experience uh, a posture of joy, experience uh, the reality that they're prayed for regularly. That is God's plan. That is God's desire. Not that you live in isolation, but that you get so invested in other people's lives that you're able to carry their burdens. That you get so invested in other people's lives that you're able to walk through life with them. That you get so invested 
in other people's lives that you're constantly praying for them and you get to watch their posture turn into a posture of thanksgiving. And here's the coolest part. While all that's happening, they're doing the same for you and you're gonna get to watch your posture change. You're gonna get to watch your emotions change. You're gonna get to watch the fruit of the spirit change in your life. You're gonna get to experience those things. But this does not culminate until we do it in community and we're doing it with each other. And that is literally God's desire for you. How cool is that? That that is what God wants for you. He wants all those things for you. And he says, this is how it will happen if you operate in community. And so this morning, here's what I wanna do. With that truth in mind, I wanna give you an opportunity to step into community. If you're watching online and you haven't been uh, to the local church in a long time, I'm gonna invite you, come be a part of it. It's incredible. It's so good to sit here in a room and watch other brothers and sisters worship Jesus. It's so good to have an environment where you can come and talk and be loved on by other believers, by other brothers and sisters. It's so good for you. If you've never experienced that and you're not a Christian, admittedly, we want you to come and experience that. See what it looks like to become sit in a room full of people who are all about the kingdom and just wanna love on you, just wanna carry your burdens, just wanna rejoice with you, just want to pray for you constantly, come experience that. That is the invitation that you come to one of our locations and you get to see this firsthand. You don't have to listen to me talk about it because I could sit here and give testimony after testimony about seasons of my life where I've experienced that, but you don't have to do that. You can come experience it for yourself. And if, you, if it's not a location thing and you've been coming to a location, but it's summertime and you're just chilling online because you guys are somewhere, that's great. I hope you are decompressing and having a phenomenal Sunday or weekday wherever you are, but I want to invite you to take maybe the next step. We have small groups, and small groups are the way that we think this functions the best, and so we want to invite you to come be a part of a small group. Come be a part of that. Come just get into an environment where weekly or every other week you are just surrounded by believers who care about you, who want to pray for you, who want to invest in you, who want to rejoice with you, who want to see you give a posture of thanksgiving, who want to see you experience the fruit of the Spirit and get out of the rut, give up the addictions, break through the bondage of sin, and be able to just experience the fruit the way that Jesus wants you to experience it, his desire for you, so you can experience his will for you. That's incredible. So that's the invite. I want you to come. I want you to be a part of that. I would love to answer any questions. I'll talk about more of that in a second, how you can reach out to us uh, and get some more information. But for now, I'm just going to pray for you um, and point you to the instructions on the other side of this because we'd love to see you walk in God's will for your life. We'd love to see you walk in God's desire for you, and that happens in community. So let's pray. Jesus, I am grateful uh, that you have put other believers in my life. God, I'm grateful that you want this for me. I'm grateful that you desire uh, for me to experience all of these things. And I'm grateful that I've seen that come to fruition. God, I'm grateful that I've played a role and that you've chosen me to play a role uh, in this for somebody else's life. God, I'm grateful for that. And I pray this morning or today when people are watching, wherever that is, God, that you would... Uh, nudge them with your spirit, God, that you would press them, that you would push them in the direction of community because it is your kindness that leads to things like that, God. It is your kindness that leads to repentance. It is your kindness that leads to big moves. And God, it is your kindness when we read scripture that says, man, I just want you to experience what's best for you and I know what that is. So God, I pray that we would step into that. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.